Hey guys, welcome to Mount Airy Baptist Church. Uh, it is a pleasure to have you here today to worship with us. Uh, if you've been attending lately, you know that we're in a series uh, called Made for Each Other. The very first message in the series we talked about in week one, we talked about oneness. That really in God's design, God's desire is that the two would become one. And we looked at that in the book of Genesis. And, and then in week two, we talked about this, how to marry the right person. Biggest decision you'll make in your life except for the decision to trust Christ as Savior. So how do you make the right decision? How do you marry the right person? Week number three, we talked about, I don't love you anymore. What do you do when the person you married, now you feel like they're the wrong person? How do you handle that? What, what's your approach when you don't feel that love anymore for the person that you married? And today, as we come near the end of this series, today I want to talk to you about this, the power of your words. The power of words. Finish this sentence for me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Exactly. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That little children's rhyme could not be more wrong. What we say to one another matters. That's why it says in Ephesians 5.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it might benefit those who listen. God's Word says don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths because words matter and words hurt. You see, what you say and how you say it matters. That's why James wrote these words in James 3, 8, 9. No man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Some of you, if you're honest, would say, Pastor Keith, that sounds an awful lot like my home. That sounds an awful lot like my marriage. Last week in Costa Rica, just like, in fact, it was last Sunday when I was in Costa Rica. I went to church there last Sunday. And a young woman told me that her mother told her, you are our worst daughter. Words matter. She was wrestling with what her mom had said to her. Words matter. Some of you know about the power of words because you have felt the sting of what a parent said to you in, in anger, and you still haven't forgotten it. All of these years later, you could tell me verbatim what your dad or what your mom said to you one day or one night in anger, because words matter. Others of you likely have experienced the pain of verbal abuse from a spouse. And today you still bear those scars. Today you still have that, that angst within you, because words matter. You see, the home is the place where our words matter the most. The people we know the best and love the most are the people who will most likely be hurt by our words. I'll make sure you got that. So let me say it again. The people we know the best and love the most are the people who will, who will most likely be hurt by our words. In case you think that this is not a problem for you, then let, re, let me remind you of what James said in James chapter 3, verse 2. James says, We all stumble in many ways. 
If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. We all stumble in many ways. That is especially true in the marriage relationship. This is the question I want you to wrestle with. This is the question I want you to think about. I want to say it in two different ways. It's the same question though. The question is this. If I really love my wife, why do I find it so easy to treat her like I don't? Or if you really love your husband, why do you find it so easy to treat him like you don't? See, the reality is because we live with each other day in and day out, the reality is We live in a broken, fallen world, and we are broken people as well. And because we live with one another day in and day out, sometimes it leads us to say in frustration or in anger things that are harsh, things that are critical, things that we wouldn't say to people at church, things that we wouldn't say to people at work, things that we wouldn't say to people at school, but we will say it to the people that we love the most and know the best. An elderly couple were celebrating their golden wedding anniversary. The husband was especially moved and wanted to tell his dear wife how much he cared for her. The problem was she was hard of hearing. And so whatever he had to say, whatever, however he wanted to praise her, he would have to do it in a loud voice so that she could hear it. But of course, all the family and friends would hear it as well. But he didn't care because he was so in love with her, so thankful for the 50 years that they had together. And so he bent over to her ear and said, Honey... After 50 years, I have found you tried and true. Everyone smiled, except the wife. She said, what? He said, honey, after 50 years, said it louder, honey, after 50 years, I have found you tried and true. And his wife said, well, let me tell you something. After 50 years, I'm tired of you too. Now, you wouldn't talk like that to somebody else, would you? You only say those kind of things to the people you know the best and love the most. And here is where many marriages struggle, and this is why some marriages fail. We go from, we were made for each other, to, we can't talk to each other anymore. And the question How do we get from there to here? I mean, when you first got married, you believed in your heart, whether you verbalized it this way or not, you believed in your heart, we were made for each other. I love her so much, I love him so much, I can't imagine not spending the rest of my life with him. I can't imagine not spending the rest of my life with her. Well, you start out that way. So how do you get to the point where those people are now saying, we can't talk to one another. We can't stand one another. I think I can say with great certainty, I've thought about this, and I, I think I can say with, with absolute certainty that I have never counseled any couple who had marriage problems who did not have also a communication problem. Uh, without question, it, I think every couple I've ever counseled uh, in two churches in all, all of these years in ministry 
they, they had a problem that was caused or compounded by a communication problem. And here's the reason. Couples who do not communicate lose touch with one another. They grow apart instead of growing together. You see, one of the ways that you get from here to here is that you lose touch with one another. You grow apart rather than grow together. And then, when that happens, watch what what else happens. When that happens, bitterness begins to set in. Resentment begins to set in. We, We increasingly begin to misunderstand or misinterpret the motives and the intentions of her or of him. Because you're not talking. You're not expressing anything except negative things. And so we begin to build up those walls. We, we begin to build up the wall of resentment, the wall of anger, uh, the, the wall of, 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 of combat. And now we, we misinterpret everything they say. We misinterpret everything that they do. And we question their motives and their intentions. And we end up saying things like this. I can't talk to him anymore. She never listens to anything that I say. All we do is fight. So if you've gone from, we were made for each other, to, we can't talk anymore. What do we do? How do you handle it? How do you improve your communication when there is no communication? Or how do you improve your communication when it's okay, but it could be better? Thankfully, God gives us some insight into this problem. And it's found in the book of Proverbs. Before you even go there, let me tell you a little bit about Proverbs. Proverbs is a book that in chapter 1 promises us wisdom. If we will read it and repeat it. If we will read it and practice it. It is a book in chapter 1 that promises us wisdom. Let me tell you what wisdom is from a biblical perspective. Wisdom is God's perspective on my situation. Wisdom is knowing what God wants me to do in this particular situation. It's God voicing direction into my life. Wisdom is something we don't have, but we desperately need. And Proverbs tells us in chapter 1 that if we will seek the Lord and follow His instruction, we will find wisdom. Ladies and gentlemen, you need wisdom in your marriage. I need wisdom in my marriage. We all need wisdom in our communication. And so we find some wisdom in Proverbs chapter 15. If you want to open God's Word, Proverbs chapter 15. I want to focus on one verse today, though we will look at other verses. But one verse will be the kind of the foundation and the launching pad. Uh, Proverbs 15 verse 28. Here's what the Word of God says. Proverbs 15 verse 28. I tell you what. In honor of God's Word, why don't you stand with me as we read God's Word together? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 28. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. There's a contrast here. I want to make sure you get that contrast. And and would you read it out loud with me? I'm reading from the NIV, chapter 15, verse 28. Let's read it together. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Thank you. Would you be seated? In essence, here's what, the, what Solomon was writing in chapter 15, verse 28. Here, if I could boil it down into one sentence, Solomon was saying, never underestimate the power of words. Never forget, never under, underestimate the power of what you say. 
See, a judge speaks some words and a guilty prisoner is taken to a prison cell. A gossip makes a phone call and a reputation is ruined with words. A cynical professor makes a snide remark in a lecture and a student's faith is destroyed. Words have power. Words influence. Solomon was right in in chapter 18 of Proverbs, verse 21, when he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You see, what we say and how we say it matters. And the place where it matters the most is in our homes, in our marriages. The book of Proverbs gives us some insight into how we talk to those that we love, how we should talk to those that we love. Here's what he says again in verse 28. The heart of the righteous weighs its answer. But, you see that word there, contrast, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Solomon is contrasting the lifestyles of the righteous and the wicked. And he tells us that there are words that promote and enhance communication and there are words that block communication. In other words, the very things we say will either deepen our relationship or deaden it. Now, hear me, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen this over and over and over, and you've seen it too. You know people like this. You know marriages like this. Maybe it's yours. But the very words that we say will either deepen our relationship or deaden it. That's what he's talking about in verse 28. He says we have two options when it comes to speaking to one another. All of us. And it doesn't matter if you're Christian or non-Christian. We all have two options when it comes to speaking to one another. The first option is this. The heart of the righteous weighs its answer. The first option is this. To weigh your answer. It means to ponder. To think about what you're going to say. He says here's the first way to communicate with your spouse. The first way that you can communicate. The first option is this. You weigh what you're about to say. You pause before you say it. You ponder the outcome of what you're about to say. You ponder the result of what you're about to say. You weigh your answer. And then, here's the second option. Just let it fly. Now, that's roughly what the Hebrew means there. Just let it fly. You know, when you, when you let it fly, here's what you're doing. When you let it fly, you're just, what it, there's no filter. When you let it fly, there's no filter. You're just letting it go. Solomon describes that person as the mouth of the wicked. Gushes evil. Look at that term, gushes. The mouth of the wicked gushes evil. It just comes out. It just gushes out. It just keeps coming out. And some of you have been in fights like that, haven't you? The fight with your boyfriend or your husband or your girlfriend or your wife, and and, and it just keeps gushing out. It just keeps coming out. And it's almost like you've got no control over it anymore. It's just gushing out all over them. You've got two options. You can weigh what you say, or you can gush it out. Now, I want you to be honest. I want you to be more honest than the first service. In the first service, when I asked this question, they sat there like they didn't know what I was talking about. So here's the question. Of those two options, weigh what you say, or gush it out and let it fly, which of those two options feel the best? Thank you. Thank you, honest people. But let me tell you something, it does feel the best, right? 
It does feel the best. I mean, just to, kind of, just to kind of let it go, just kind of let it fly, that's what emotionally feels the best. But listen, 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 listen. When we speak out of emotion, we often speak out of control. Right? When we speak out of emotion, we often speak out of control. And that's when our words hurt the most. Let me give you some examples of words that hurt. Some examples, I'm going to give you three of words that, that are communication killers. Words that we just kind of gush out at times. The first is this, angry words. He tells us in chapter 15, verse 1, go to verse 1. He says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word or angry word, a harsh word stirs up anger. Anger is a common emotion in every marriage. It's also one of the great communication killers in every marriage. Anger blocks communication for two big reasons. Number one, anger will block communication and angry words will block communication, first of all, because it turns the conversation into a contest. I would encourage you to write that down if you're taking notes. Angry words turns the conversation into a contest. You go into attack mode and your goal is to try to win the battle. Your goal is no longer to communicate. Your goal is to try to win the battle. You ever been there? Pause. Your goal is to try to win the battle. You're not listening to what they're saying because your goal is to try to win the battle. And here's the second reason that angry words block communication. It's because you stop listening. Instead of listening to what your spouse is saying, you're thinking about the next thing you're going to say. Surely you know what I'm talking about. You're not trying to understand. You know what you're doing? You're trying to reload your gun. While he or she is saying whatever they're saying to you, you're not really listening. You're just thinking what you're going to say next because your goal is to win this battle. And communication went out the door a long time ago. But anger stayed. And now these angry words are flying back and forth, back and forth, and you're not helping the relationship, you're not deepening the relationship, you are deadening the relationship. Did you know that Gary Chapman did a study, he said the average person will listen to his or her spouse for 17 seconds before interrupting. 17 seconds! And some of your wives are saying, my husband don't even go that long. 17 seconds before we interrupt and say, well, let me tell you something. Angry words block communication because we stop, we stop trying to communicate and we start trying to win the battle. And Solomon said years ago, he says, the heart of the righteous weighs its answer. The heart of the righteous will pause, consider what he or she is about to say, Ponder it quickly before you respond. You say, well, Pastor Keith, I'll tell you what, that's just not practical. No, but it is biblical. And maybe if you stop doing what's practical and start doing what's biblical, your marriage would be better. And your communication would be better. Maybe you need to be intentional in what you're doing rather than just letting it fly. Angry words. The second kind of thing that, that hurts our communication 
is reckless words. Chapter 12 of Proverbs, verse 18. Here's what Solomon wrote. Chapter 12, verse 18. He says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Reckless words pierce like a sword. If you've ever had to go back to your spouse and say, I'm sorry, I really didn't mean what I said, then you know exactly what this verse is all about, don't you? Husbands and wives often say things that they later regret. Things that they wish they could take back. Things they wish they could pull back and put it back in their mouth. But of course, that's never going to happen. Reckless words are spiteful and painful and unnecessary and sometimes even untrue. Reckless words like, you will never change. Or reckless words like, I told you so, stupid. Or words like, I never should have married you. I should have listened to my daddy. Or words like, I can't stand to look at you. I can't stand to be around you. Or reckless words like, how could you be so stupid? Proverbs 15, 28 says, The mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The mouth of the wicked gushes reckless words. And when your heart is filled with resentment and your heart is filled with anger, reckless words will come out so freely. And the Bible says, and it will pierce like a sword. I wish you could have seen the hurt in the face of this young lady who told me last week in Costa Rica what I mentioned a moment ago. I don't know when her mom said this. don't know exactly how long the time frame was between when her mom said it and when she talked to me. But I wish you could see the pain in her face when she told me. My mom told me I was their worst daughter. Now her mom had probably long forgotten what she said. Her mom had probably long let that go and her mom had probably long forgotten it and was over it. But those reckless words pierced like a sword in her heart. Someone said that uh, in the first year of marriage, the man listens to the wife. The second year of marriage, the wife listens to the man. In the third year of marriage, they both speak and the neighbors listen. That's where reckless words will get you, right? Listen, you may be made for each other, but often you can't tell it because of the way you talk to each other. So Solomon in Proverbs fifteen twenty eight says, listen, 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 Here, here's how you handle it. Fifteen twenty eight, The heart of the righteous weighs its answers. The heart of the righteous will weigh what he says. I heard about one couple who had been arguing about everything for years. Uh, They just continually argued. And both spouses were tired of living in a perpetual state of conflict. One day, the the wife said to her husband, quite matter-of-factly, I've been praying for God to help us stop all this arguing and take one of us to heaven. And when he answers my prayer, I'm moving in with my sister. I, I suppose that's one way to handle it. I suppose that's one way to deal with it. But in verse 28, I think there's a better solution. The heart of the righteous, watch this, weighs its answers. 
The heart of the righteous says, you know, there's more at stake than what I'm out of my mouth right now. The heart of the righteous realizes there's more at stake than just this urge to let it fly. And then the third type of words that we have to be careful with are lying words. Good communication in the home is based on trust. And in chapter 15 of Proverbs, verse 4, he says, The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue does what, church? Crushes the spirit. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. See, trust is essential in any relationship, but it is absolutely imperative in a marriage relationship. And lying destroys that trust quicker than anything you can imagine. You might put a fancy name on what you tell your wife or your husband, but if it's not the truth, it's a lie. You might give it a different name, but if it's not the truth, it's a lie. And you're undermining your relationship. Anytime you lie to your spouse, even though in your mind you've rationalized that it's justified, anytime you lie to your spouse, the intimacy between you and her or you and him has the potential to be broken. It's like Humpty Dumpty who sat on the wall and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. And that's the way it is with trust. Once he finds out you've been lying to him, once she finds out you've been lying to her, trying to pick up the pieces and put trust back together again, very, very hard. That's why Solomon said the righteous will weigh the response. Temptation is perhaps to lie because that's easier sometimes. It's easier to tell a little white lie than to tell the truth and have to pay for it. It's easier to to, to maybe shade the truth a little bit, you know, not rock the boat just so that I won't have to put up with what she's going to say because I know if she knows where I really went, I'm going to have to put up with what she wants to say to me. I know if, if, if he knows what I really bought, I won't have to hear it and I don't want to hear it. So, so it's easier just to shade the truth and kind of go along, you know, keep things going and keep things smooth. It's just easier to tell a little lie. Except, guess what? Besides the fact that you're lying in front of God, secondly, when they find out that you were lying, find out that you were lying about what you did with the credit card, find out you were lying about where you went, find out you were lying about whatever, guess what? The question becomes, can I really trust her now? Can I really trust him now? Is what's coming out of his mouth this time the truth or just another lie? And the intimacy that once was there where we were made for each other, the intimacy evaporates. Because relationship is no longer built on trust. The righteous man, the righteous man will weigh what he says. So, I want to try to summarize everything I've told you today and put it in one sentence that hopefully you'll remember this week. Because I don't expect you to remember this three weeks from now, but I, I, would, be, I, I would really like for you to remember it three days from now. And three days from now, I hope that this little statement will stick in your mind. Three days from now, when you're ready to let it fly, I hope that this statement will come to your mind. And here's the statement. 
Weigh what you say and you'll have a better day. Weigh what you say and you'll have a better day. Weigh what you say and you'll have a better day. Just, just imagine if you and your spouse tried that for the next seven days. Instead of just letting it fly when it feels, feels like it needs to go, instead of just gushing out words that you want to say to him or to her, what, what, would, what would happen if... I know, I know, I know, I know. I know that he may not respond that way. I know that she may not respond that way. But, but what would happen if you responded that way? What would happen if you decided, I'm going to weigh what I say and hope I have a better day? Why don't you give it a try? It's my challenge to you. Let's say it together. Weigh what you say and you'll have a better day. Now say it again. Say it like you mean it this time. Weigh what you say and you'll have a better day. Now, some of you are thinking, Pastor Keith, that sounds good. I want to try that. But Pastor Keith, I'm telling you right now, it is so broken, it is so bad, it is so awful in our home right now. I'm going to need a little bit more than a nice little statement. Well, I've got a prayer for you that I want you to pray every day too. And it's not a prayer that I wrote. It's a prayer that I found in the Bible. And I thought maybe you needed it too. The prayer is in Psalm 141, verse 3, and here's what it is. It says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Isn't that cool? The psalmist said, you know, I've got a tendency to let it fly. I've got a tendency to sometimes say the wrong thing. I've got a tendency to sometimes let it come out in the wrong way at the wrong time, come out in anger and frustration. And I've got a tendency perhaps to maybe let it lie or, or, or tell a lie. I've, I've got a tendency, the psalmist said, to, to, to not say the right thing. And so he prayed this prayer. It's a great prayer. Psalm 141 verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let me translate that for you. Shorter's translation goes something like this. God, I need your help because I can't keep my mouth shut. That's essentially what the psalmist said. God, I need your help because I can't keep my mouth shut. Every time I'm around him, the anger starts again. Every time I see her, I get frustrated again. Every time we try to talk, it gets worse. God, I'm going to need your help because I can't keep my mouth shut. Set a guard over my mouth, O oh Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Here's what you perhaps need to do tomorrow morning. You just need to get on your knees and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be Lord not only of my life, but I want you to be Lord of my mouth. Because I sure have messed up this marriage. I sure have messed up this marriage. My reckless words, my angry words, my lying words, Lord Jesus, please be Lord of my life and please be Lord of my mouth. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Weigh what you say. You'll have a better day. Just try it. Try it for seven days. In that broken relationship, try it for seven days. Weigh what you say and see if you don't have a better day. Let me pray with you. Father, thank You for Your Word, for the instruction that is there, for the truth that is there. I pray that we will have the heart of the righteous and weigh our answers rather than the mouth of the wicked 
that gushes evil. May you continue to work in our lives and in our marriages for your glory. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.